Thank you for downloading from Ravi Zacharias International Ministries. Support for this podcast comes from your generous gifts and donations. You can find out more about Ravi Zacharias and the team at www.rzim.org. Hello, friends. This is Ravi Zacharias coming to you for our summer appeal with our 70 speakers scattered around 15 countries and covering every continent. It's amazing to see how people are responding. I remember being in a man Jordan some time back, and when I was sitting there surrounded by pastors from Lebanon and Iraq, as they were talking about what they call compassion fatigue, because those countries are being overrun by millions of refugees from Syria to Iraq, People are homeless, they are shattered with all that is going on, and they flee to some country to find shelter. Here's the staggering truth they shared with us, that while China may be the fastest growing church in the world, Iran is the second fastest growing church in the world. How does this happen? Only God can turn all these horrible experiences into the glory of the opportunity of the gospel. That's why we are in all of these countries. We get to the Middle East. We get to Australia, New Zealand, and Europe, and Africa. Our team is scattered all over. And if you just see what happens at the Reboot and Refresh and Remind conferences, young people are asking questions. They may be 14, 15 years old, but they're already looking like adults at a world of confusion. And as we are writing, as we are speaking, as we are using the internet, as we are training, we know what the young are asking. We know why they're there. But we truly need you to stand with us. I wish I could read to you the letters that we get. People saying, I had no hope, nothing that I thought would turn my life around. All of a sudden, I heard a podcast from one of your team members or read a letter. Just recently, I got one from a man who said he'd listened to big apologists, and then he mentioned one of my teammates, Abdul Murray. He said, but Abdul, when I heard you speaking in Vegas that night, everything came together in a way that it had never come before. Isn't that fascinating? One person can only get you that far, and all of a sudden, somebody else comes and puts it all together for you. So we've got our men speakers, our women speakers, our youth specialists, those dealing with the academies, our veterans. At RZIM, we are doing evangelism undergirded by apologetics. We're involved in training. We are getting into humanitarian work. And most importantly, we are honoring the call to which God has called us to preach the gospel in some of the toughest areas of this world. And we are seeing an incredible harvest. Will you please support us with your prayers and with your giving? We cannot gainsay how important this is. We as a team will honor your trust. And most importantly, we'll honor God for this mission for which he has placed us now. Thank you for giving me a hearing. Please ask God what he would have you do. We're transformed by the renewing of our mind into the likeness of Christ, not in conformity with our culture, not in conformity with our church, but of Christ. If you actually take Jesus serious about what he says, that is not going to always be popular, maybe even more so within the culture that you live in. Welcome back to Just Thinking. You've probably heard the saying, actions speak louder than words. As Christians, we are called to share the gospel with others. But what role do our actions play in those discussions, especially when it comes to those who share different worldviews? 
We'll find out as we continue to listen to a Q&A series from the University of Virginia. Let's rejoin them now as we hear RZIM speaker Nathan Rittenhouse answer this question. So the final question we have here says, the Bible teaches us that we shouldn't cause strife in another person just because they have beliefs that are different than us. And I think that Jesus says that this is the biggest example of the fact that Christians are what make people believe. It's our ability to do good and to show other people goodness and makes them believe. So moving into the next century, which is going to be increasingly globalized, how do we carry our Christian faith in the concrete words of Christianity and marry those with the actions that prove to others what the goodness of Jesus is, knowing that there are those who may have different viewpoints or religious perspectives than ourselves? That is a great question. Thank you so much for that. Um, you know, it, it's fascinating to me just to think about the global nature of the church. And so some of globalization has actually connected me with Christians from other parts of the world in a weird way. And so one of the things that I want to challenge, I think the average Christian in the world is a woman who speaks Spanish. You know, that's not me. Um, so the diversity within religious beliefs and structures is a very important part of that. It all will come back to what do we do with what Jesus said? And this is the important thing that you're pointing at because I think there's been a tendency in American Christianity to get more excited about what Jesus did in dying than what he did with his teaching. And this can be picked up a little bit even sometimes in our creeds when we go through and say, was born of a virgin, suffered under Pontius Pilate, da 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 da, which is good and true. But if you jump from being born of a virgin to suffering under Pontius Pilate, you skip 83% of the content of the Gospels. I actually have the math here in the front of my Bible. Counted all the chapters. What's up with that section there? Did Jesus come just to save us, to die for us, and he's kind of our uh, utopian slot machine of got my passport stamped, I'm going to heaven, or did he have a way for us to live? Did he mean what he said, and did he say it to you? That's the question that we'll have to answer to address this as we think about the interaction of our faith with the ideas of the world is that we want to use Jesus as the model and Jesus as the example of that because the world wants to know what is God like? What is your vision of God like? And that's when we see that the fullness of who God is is made known to us in the person of Jesus Christ. And so we're transformed by the renewing of our mind into the likeness of Christ, not in conformity with our culture, not in conformity with our church, um, but of Christ. And so we're going to have to come back to, and that's going to be difficult. If you actually take Jesus serious about what he says, that is not going to always be popular, maybe even more so within the culture that you live in. And so even within the church, there will necessarily be some disruption in the future as we look at the globalization, because there will have to be a reformation and reformatting, not of the essential beliefs of what we hold, but there will have to be creativity in the application of those beliefs into all sorts of different contexts. You're going to have to answer questions that... I never even thought of. Um, my children are going to have to answer questions that you never even thought of. And so we have to have a framework of understanding who God is, how does he um, ask us to respond in situations that's based off of the character and the nature of who God is revealed in the person of Jesus, rather than memorizing a list of answers to current questions or responses in certain situations. We need Christ to form in us his likeness that we would be able to naturally respond in that situation. In the early church, when Christians didn't have any political authority, didn't have any power, the most frequent topic that they wrote about was patience. And they cultivated this idea that we want to form habits 
that when we're persecuted, that when we're challenged, that when we're asked, we don't have to think about it. We just respond in that way. My grandfather used to visit a guy in prison who was trained in the military in hand-to-hand -hand combat. And one night, a guy jumped him in the alley and he turned around and killed the guy. And it wasn't like a like he wanted to kill the guy, his body had been trained to respond in a certain way in a certain context. It was a tragic story. But in the exact opposite way of that, what it means to grow into the likeness of Christ is that Christ would be so formed in me that in a spontaneous situation, I would be able to drop to my knees and serve in the likeness of Christ. That's not something that you can intellectually prepare yourself for. It's something that has to be cultivated at a deeper level. And that's a depth of Christianity that we don't often get to see. That's the challenge for those of you who are Christians in this room of, can we see the fullness of what it is that Christ is calling us to? And so it's a good question, I think, to, for us to end on also there, is to think, okay, Jesus is it's not about like, whoop, I'm good now. There's a continual progression of depth of which Jesus calls us to conformity to the image of who he is and what it means to be fully human, because he has a plan and an agenda for us in this world. He put us on the planet to take care of things, to steward and to have actual causality and the dignity of that, and stewarding not just the physical world, but also being agents of His for blessing in the world around us. So that's the thing that we're called to as Christians, to continue to grow in that vision. If you're not a Christian, I'm deeply, um, I, I admire and respect Jesus for the fact that when people came to Him with questions and they were curious about who He is, He never said to them, believe this or else. He extended them the invitation. He said, come and see. Check it out. And in a post-truth, post-integrity, post-forgiveness culture, the quality of the way that you live your life is going to have to be your apologetic. Jesus says, come and see. Don't just believe based off of some guy who gives up, stands up and gives a talk for a little bit, but come and check this out. Look at the way. Do we actually talk about the forgiveness that Sean was talking about? Do we actually live that out? Does the thing that I believe about Jesus change the way that I treat my children and the way that I treat my wife and the way that I think about my food choices and the way that I spend my money? Is it, does it permeate the entire depth of my life? And in doing so, though the call of Jesus is high, it pushes me into a level of unknown sweetness, for lack of a better word, that I didn't know existed. Sean is a tough dude. Look at him. Look at his knuckles sometime. You can tell that in his past life he punched a lot of stuff. He could probably bench press me with one arm. Um, I've seen Sean cry. He's seen me cry. T to weep at the depths of the things that are disjointed in the world around us that we see that break our hearts. And showing that type of oh, weakness, as the world would call it, doesn't deter our relationship. It endears him to me because I think he's human. And he gets it, and our hearts are beating for the same passion of the things in the world. And I, and I cry when he cries, because we're that connected in our service of Christ. And I rejoice when he rejoices, because we're that connected. And so Jesus calls you, if you don't know who he is, into the type of that type of scrutiny into his life, and then into the life of his followers. Because honestly, if I can't point to a group of people and say, and this is what it looks like when you actually live out the things that I'm talking about, you would have no reason to take serious what I'm saying tonight. It's all just a theoretical thing. And so the challenge that I have for you is, many of you have taken your little card and you've written down a good question, but there's more to it than that. I hope that I've unsettled you a little bit, that you have a desire to grow deeper and to know more about that. If you're a Christian and you want to have a conversation about that, um, let us know. On the other hand, 
you're at a place where you're saying, that sounds really attractive to me, and it's good enough that it's worth my time to figure out whether or not it's true, and I want to move in that direction in a strategic way, then I want you to check count me in. That's saying count me in that I'm choosing to grow in a direction. This is not to say, oh, I'm perfect now. I checked count me in on a nice little piece of paper at an evening event. No. I want to make a conscientious decision to grow in the direction of what it is that Jesus has showed me what it means to be fully human in the world. I want to thank you guys for being such an attentive audience. You asked really thoughtful questions that really strike at the heart of what I'm trying to say. And I hope that you've caught a little bit of a glimmer, that you've been taunted or tempted to think about this at, at a deeper way. And so thank you for your kind reception and for your good questions. And it really has been a pleasure for me to be here with you this evening. If you'd like to dig into this topic further, or you have more questions about the Christian faith or how to become a Christian, be sure to visit our website at rzim.org. There you can find content from Ravi Zacharias, Sean Hart, Nathan Rittenhouse, and the rest of our global speaking team. Our website is also a great place to find out more about our ministry, including upcoming events and ministry initiatives. That's rzim.org or rzim.ca for those in Canada. And if you'd like to purchase a copy of this Q&A series titled University of Virginia Q&A, call us at 1-800-448-6766. Just Thinking is a listener-supported radio ministry and is furnished by Robbie Zacharias International Ministries in Atlanta, Georgia.